Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey, Disciple Makers, this is Ray Sullivan joining you today, uh, one of our discipleship consultants. I'm down here in the Southeast region, and I am so excited about uh, the broadcast that we've got for you today. We've got a great show today. Uh, we're going to talk about disciple making in the workplace, and I've got two of my favorite people uh, that are joining me today. First of all, Kenneth Acock, and Kenneth is our Northeast Region Discipleship Consultant up in Gainesville, and Kenneth has been uh, on staff until recently at Hopewell church in Gainesville, and now uh, he's working also in the secular uh, part of the world and still doing that disciple-making thing, and he's working with Families for Families, uh, a foster agency up there, and um, so Kenneth, we're glad to have you with us today, my friend. Good to be here, Ray. I'm excited about it, and thank everyone for joining us, and excited to be serving as part of our team in the Northeast region. Good deal. We are so blessed that you are with us, and I've also got one of my good friends today, Ashley Tyre. Uh, Ashley is the uh, chaplain uh, of the Beasley Group, um, which uh, he'll tell us a, a little bit more about later, but the Beasley Group is a timber uh, company down in Hazelhurst, and uh, Ashley is just a great friend of mine. He is a friend of our discipleship team and has done so much uh, here for us, and uh, he has served um, as a bivocational pastor. Uh, he was uh, at Lumber City Baptist Church for about six years. And uh, he is now the chaplain of the Beasley Group, and uh, which is in Hazelhurst, and he's also the chaplain of the Jeff Davis County Sheriff's Office. So he's so he's got a lot of people, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that. But what we want to look at today is we want to talk about Ashley and Kenneth, you know, disciple making outside of the context of the church, disciple making in the workplace, and this is where so many of our our people. Uh, are actually, we're, we're asking them to be disciple makers in the workplace. So we want to teach them kind of how to do that. But not just that, but I think about a lot of our single staff guys that have small churches and just the opportunity uh, to, to make disciples outside of the church in corporations and in the workplace. And a lot of our bivocational guys, so many bivocational pastors, and many of you watching today are bivocational. And so, man, is your ministry just in um, the church context, or what about that great commission living and that command to make disciples uh, outside of um, the, the church and in the corporate world? So just really excited to have Ashley with us. And so, hey, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And remember, leave a comment. Um, we're going to be on with you. We'd love to dialogue and love to talk about some of the things that we're talking about today. So leave a comment and enter to win some of our swag that we're going to be hanging hand, handing out. We'll uh, draw at the end of this and uh, somebody's going to take home some pretty cool stuff. So, so Ashley, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about disciple making uh, in the workplace. And, um, you know, we're here, we're hearing a lot about 
corporate America and chaplaincy in corporate America. But take a few minutes, man, if you would, and just share with us a little bit about your story. How did you get to this place in your faith journey? Well, a few years back, um, Mr. Beasley had kind of, I don't know, we didn't ask, we just kind of started it. Um, I was the volunteer chaplain here at work. Um, we both served together as deacons at uh, First Baptist Hazelhurst. And one thing kind of led to another, and, and I'm blessed to work with a, with a godly uh, company, Christian organization. And every uh, Christmas, we would have a Christmas program. Uh, we would feed our employees and, and, um, and we would also read the Christmas story. And just reading the Christmas story just started a chain of events. That was probably seven or eight years ago. And we started seeing people getting saved. And we started seeing lives being changed. And then every time we would start a meeting, um, if I was there, I'd leave in a short devotion. They'd always tell me to summarize. <laughs> so I would summarize and have a short devotion and a prayer time. And um, I was uh, became pastor. Uh, Lumber City Baptist, um, bivocational pastor there. And I don't know, a couple of years uh, or about four or five years into that, um, God laid on my my heart and my wife's heart that we needed to go into full-time ministry. And I didn't really know what that looked like. I, I figured that would be a pastor of Lumber City Baptist, which was a growing congregation and needed a full-time pastor. So that was my my thinking. My, my, my process in that was uh, we would just be that, doing that. So it just so happened that um, after one of our Christmas programs um, that we had, corporate meeting, Mr. Beasley had sent me a text and, and just thanked me for the devotion that we gave, you know, just general like that. And he made a comment. He said, I just wish we, I told him, I said, thank you for allowing us to do it. And he said, well, I just wish we could do more. And I just kind of got hung up on that. I wish we could do more. What does he mean by wish we could do more? So long story short, I sat down with the Beasley family and I asked them, I said, what do you mean by we could do more? And I had made a list of things and just so happened he had made a list of things and his list matched up with my list. And he looked at me and we had a big, our, our corporate meeting is just family. That's it. He looked over at his brother-in-law. He said, uh, starting January, um, Ashley will now be our full-time paid chaplain. Uh, you need to work him out of procurement. So that happened uh, two years ago, year and a half ago, and I've got the greatest job in the world. Um, I never dreamed that this would be full-time ministry. I thought full-time ministry was going to be a pastor of a church. I never dreamed it was going to be like this. So we're, we've jumped on board, and he's turned me loose, and he says, whatever you want to do, you do it as long as one thing happens. And I said, what's that? He says, as long as we're sharing the gospel. So if we're sharing the gospel, I don't care what you do. Um, so we've taken and we've shared the gospel. We've seen many people get saved here, baptized. And um, so that's kind of kind of what started it off. And then inside of that, we do so many other things. We have companies uh, from Wisconsin, Arkansas, North Carolina, South Carolina. And every one of those facilities we've had, we're now establishing ministry teams there. Um, so we're just growing and growing. We have almost 2,000 employees within the Beasley group. So... It's a, it's a large undertaking, but uh, it's great. So some people would say, man, you're a, you're a mega church pastor, especially uh, in South Georgia. I guess so, maybe. <laughs> you got the largest uh, we're, congregation we're in South Georgia. Sometimes. Oh, Kenneth. That's awesome, Ashley. Will you tell us a little bit more about what the Beasley Group does and, and maybe specifically some of those things that are on your list that you, okay. that you talked about? And also, traditionally, you think about someone who does 
does uh, chaplain say you think about those pastoral duties, but would you talk about how you've incorporated discipleship and disciple making into your role? Yeah, um, sure. We, we've done a lot of the things that normal chaplains would do, you would think. Um, we go out into the workplace, we meet with our, with our individuals and build relationships. But with my background with the sheriff's office, um, there have been times when we've had to, when we've dealt with tragedies um, and we've had we had a tragedy at one of our plants uh, about a year and a half ago. And one thing we noticed come out of that tragedy, um, I met with the, with the guys that were on shift that night and I prayed with them and they had shared with me uh, about the individual that was involved in the tragedy that he was saved. He was a Christian uh, based on his own testimony. So I opened up scripture and I shared that with them. Um, that, that where Christians, when they die, where they go. And come to find out when all that was said and done, um, we brought some counselors in because we had quite a few people involved. And as we sat down with those counselors, one of the things that the counselors would, would report back to me, they said, the night that you came and opened up God's word and you prayed with those guys, I said, that is what got those guys through it. Um, so I said, wow. So, so we are making a difference here. But so I asked a question and this is going to get to why we do the discipleship. I asked a question. I said, well, of all of our employees that we have, how many of them, and, and we're male dominated here, um, probably 90% of our people are, are male. I said, why, what is keeping them from having an active relationship with the Lord? And they would kind of look at me funny. And I said, I'll break this down real simple. What keeps them from going to church? What keeps them going to church? Because they would say, well, you know, 90% of my guys don't go to church, but yet they believe in God. So there's a small percentage that, that would go. Um, so I asked the question, I said, why won't they go to church? What is stopping them from going to church? And there was a gamut of, of, of answers behind that. And every one of them was true and factual because that was a reason why they weren't going. Some were just making excuses not to go. So we, we started a little chapel service and that chapel service just kind of got us on board, headed in a, in a direction we needed to go. But what come out of that chapel service was this, these men had a desire to know God's word. Mm. Um, just this past uh, two weeks ago, I had one of the guys come to me and he said, he's been married before. And he says, I don't want to mess this one up. He said, I want to do this the right way. How do I, how do I have my marriage done the right way? And I do it biblically. Will you help me? So we started finding that a lot of these men had a desire to know God's word. They were hungry for it. So as we kind of chewed on that and we talked about that, said, so well, how, how can we have these discipleship groups? So we just kind of sent it out there. Um, at the different plants and, and said, Hey, we're going to have a discipleship meeting at 11 o'clock today. And, uh, anybody want to come, come on. And we were blown away. We would have 15 and 20 people show up at each one of these discipleship meetings that we were having scattered throughout. So then I talked to Ray, I said, Ray, you're going to have to help me, brother. I got to get organized. I got people coming from everywhere wanting to do this type thing. So when we started breaking it down, starting to get a little more organized, um, found a path that I needed to take, um, my role, the way I kind of look at it is I disciple the discipleship makers um, and we let them run with it. And uh, we kind of somewhat have a, a footprint on what we do, but I don't stay in a box. I, I talk to the d discipleship leader and say, where do you think we need to go? Um, so that's kind of how we, we started it. Um, God started it. We, I didn't. He, he started it, but we were paying attention to opportunities to get it started. And um, so anyway, it's, it's spread. And, and um, about every other month now, it seems we start another discipleship class. So how, how many groups do you have right now, Ashley? 
We currently have four. Um, one of them I lead, the other three other discipleship makers lead. Um, and in those four, Ray, I would say the average attendance is about 12, which is right. twice as many as I want. I want five or six in those groups. So we are working on splitting those groups or birthing new groups out of those. Um, the challenge has always been when and where and how do we meet with the working environment. Um, so what we do, we try to meet at lunch. Um, for each discipleship group, I'll have a discipleship leader uh, or facilitator, I'll call them. I'll have a host, somebody that's going to take care of the food. I mean, we may do Subway sandwiches one day. Someone may cook one day. It may be uh, last week the guy said, hey, we went, just went to a restaurant. Um, so I got a host that'll take care of that. And then inside of that, I'll have that discipleship leader try to find the new, the new guy, the new person to, to, to split off another class with that. So right now we have, um, we have either four or five, I can't remember exactly, but then we, we're fixing to start splitting some more of them up. And most of them, all of them right now are in the Hazelhurst area. I haven't gotten any started outside of our basin yet, but that's coming. I mean, we've just been doing this since January, I think. Yeah, yeah. January. You, know, you were telling me, talking about starting them up in South Carolina, Wisconsin, yeah. some of those, yes. those different yeah. places. So, hey, I, and one of the things that, that I wanted to mention, actually, because I know some of our guys watching today say, well, you know, the church, you know, we, we're, we're disciple makers at the church and, and have you started another church there at the Beasley group? And I know you and I've talked about this and you've told these guys, you're not even doing the chapel service anymore. Cause you're like, Hey guys, you need to be involved in a local church. Yes. Not, this is not your church. And you've helped right. place a lot of those guys in the church, right? Yes. Yes. And that, that happened with the chapel service real quick. Um, it started growing and growing and growing and then it started dying out a little bit. You know, everything, all new things are going to take off like that. And then it started dying out a little bit. But I had a lady come to me um, and say that this was her church. Mm. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, this is not your church. I said, you need a church family. You need a church home. This is just a place where you could come in um just 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 show up and and we would sing two or three songs and i would preach and i'm not that great of a preacher by any means but we would preach and we would worship and, and that was it we would go home um so but when we stopped the chapel every person that was going to chapel we have now plugged them into a church every one of them we didn't abandon we didn't leave anybody out um because i had other people tell me well you need to let it go if it's going to be a church let it be a church I said, no god did not tell us to start a church um, he just told us to go out and be obedient and help these folks. Um, so that's, that's what we started doing. And then after the, the, the chapel kind of died out, that's when we started really starting these discipleship groups kind of after that. So that's good. That's good. But now the chapel was very successful. Yeah. Uh, I think we baptized 19 at a, at a chapel service. So it was, it was really rolling. Um, but but God had just laid on our heart that no that, that that's not what we need to be doing. We don't need to start another church. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to stop that when you see that it's working. But you know the, yeah. the goal really is to to teach these guys and get them this this opportunity to learn how to read their Bible and to have these conversations yeah. with other that's guys key. and then get plugged into a church that can minister. So let's drill down just a little bit. Um, so as a as a former, let's talk about the church because these guys a lot of these guys that are watching today are yeah. are working in the church. Um, so as a, as a former bivocational pastor, what, what would you say, and you and I have had this conversation a little bit, what do you see that's different between the church's disciple-making strategy from the ones that you're seeing work right now 
uh, in the workplace at Beasley particularly? What, what have you learned that may have altered your approach to this is what disciple making looks like? I would say the first thing, uh, Ray, that when I talk to other pastors, they get, they seem sometimes they'll get frustrated with, well, I can't get a good turnout. They won't show up. They, they won't read. Um, they like to be spoon fed. We're, we're used to this old model where we open up our Sunday school book and then somebody teaches us our Sunday school lesson. And then here we go. Years ago, I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one of the first things I needed to do in teaching my Sunday school class was get rid of my Sunday school book. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. I, I can't lose my Sunday school book. You don't understand. He said, you need to lose your Sunday school book um, and, and start just falling in, in love with God's word. Um, that was huge. I didn't like it at the time, um, at all when he told me that, and it took me years to, 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 to finally get through that. But, but just talking to pastors from, um, the, the, one of the things you have to have is, is your people have got to have a desire to, to hear the word and to love the, love the word. Um, if they don't have the desire, you can't make them. Um, you can't, you can't, you know, my, one of my greatest uh, stories in the Bible is John uh, 21, where it says, feed my sheep. You can't feed sheep if they're not hungry. I mean, that's just pretty simple. So you can't make them hungry. I can lead them to the trough, but I can't make them drink. I can't make them eat it. So you got to find those hungry people. And listen, you may only have one or two people in your congregation that are hungry. If they are, go feed them. Feed those one or two that are hungry and watch them grow. We get so hung up on numbers so many times. Um, and, and it's, God didn't give us numbers. He, he just told us to be obedient. So I think to start off with, they just have to have a, a group of people that desire God's word. So you're going to have to build those relationships with those people. Um, I, I like to call that one discernment. You got to have discernment. You have to know your people, which ones are hungry and which ones aren't hungry. I, I will never forget, um, one of my, uh, deacons at Lumber City Baptist, real shy guy and, um, uh, you know, kind of an introvert and, but a good guy, good hearted guy. And we ordained him as one of our deacons. I needed a deacon, a deacon body because our deacon body hooks were down to two or three guys. And this guy was just kind of shy and bashful. We visited Lumber City Baptist this past week and he stands up and he's almost preaching. I mean, you know, and the reason why is because he loves God's word. Um, so he just wanted to dig in deeper with that. So, so you got to have a desire and then you got to have discernment. So, you know, your people, um, that's what Jesus told us in John 10. He said, you know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. You need to hear your people's voice and you need to know your people. So you, you, you got to have a discernment for your people. That's good. That's good. Hey, hey, one other thing, let's go a little deeper on that. Cause I'm thinking about some of the conversations you and I've had. Um, and, and you were talking about some of your guys. I mean, these guys are coming from backgrounds where, man, they're not familiar with scripture at all. When you say open your Bible, yeah. you, you name a book, man, they don't have a clue what that. you're talking about. And so yeah. maybe what you're doing there may be not quite as intimidating as sitting in a class with a bunch of people. Yes. So, so this is this is my footprint. When, when I'm asked to, hey, help us start a discipleship group. One of the things I want to I want to make sure I don't put it in a box. I want you to go outside your box. And our groups now are all different, but they all started the same way, except for one. But this is how I start them off. I said, so so I, I know my audience. I have discernment. I figured out who my audience is. 
Okay. And, and these that I'm around or most of them don't know their Bible. They don't, they don't know. They only know it because they heard it somewhere. You know, why do you believe what you believe? Let, let's look and see what you believe. But, but they, I found that they weren't reading their Bible. So this is how I start every discipleship group. First 30 days, we're going to read Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. We're going to read a proverb a day. It's real simple. Look on your calendar. That's the proverb you read today, that chapter. When they read it, they can have whatever books they want to at home. But when we meet in our discipleship class, you got your Bible. That's all you're allowed to do. You can bring whichever Bible you want, but you bring your Bible with a highlighter, a pencil, or a journal. And then let's say we started on the first, so we're going to look at the first seven chapters of Proverbs. And then I'll start it out. I'll say, well, you know, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 really spoke to me. And this is why it spoke to me. It spoke to me because it reminded me of my grandfather. Whatever. I'm just making up something here. So, so it reminded me of my, and this has been, it just, it really made me feel good. And then I'll go to the next person. That's why I want four, five, six people max in the group. I say, John, I said, tell me what out of the seven chapters that you read this week, which, which verse stood out to you? And I'm not looking, my daughter laughs at me when I say this, I'm not looking for a Sunday school answer. Mm-hmm. They don't know the Bible. So if they don't know the Bible, guys, quit asking them Sunday school uh, questions. Ask them questions that, well, how did it make you feel? What did you remember about that? So we'll go all the way around the room and we'll ask every person, you know, tell me the, the verse that you highlighted in your Bible. Tell you, write in your Bible. You'd be surprised. Oh, I can't write in my Bible. No, I can't do that. We'll sit down in groups now, and I look, and one guy, he brings his uh, grandmother's Bible. Mm. She's written in her, in her Bible. I say, man, that's some good stuff. So that's what we do to start with. So for the first 30 days, four weeks, we do that. Then once we move from that, I go to Genesis. So I go to Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll do a, a chapter a week at best, no more than that. And I challenge them. I, don't, I had a pastor friend of mine, the same one that told me to use my Bible. No, it's different. Different pastor, I'm sorry. He said, when you read the Old Testament, I want you to look for something. He said, I want you to look for Jesus. And I remember sitting in a deer stand and take my Bible to a deer stand. I would read Genesis and I would try to find Jesus. And I said, oh, there he is. I'd mark it in my Bible. There's Jesus. There's Jesus. So we'll take and I say, now, as you're reading God's word, I want to play a game with you. I want you to find Jesus. Now, we find Jesus in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. There he is. Oh, my goodness. There he is right there. So now they're reading the Bible with a purpose not just reading the Bible. So we go to Proverbs first 30 days. And then after that, we'll go through Gen- Now, Genesis can take two years, six months, whatever it needs to take. But then after a while, my discipleship leader, whatever God puts on his heart, I'll say, all right, now he says, well, I don't want to do Genesis anymore. So fine, I got a guy right next. I want to go to Ephesians. I said, great, let's go to Ephesians. So I said, you tell me what you want to do. And, and he started Ephesians out. We're going to do the first three chapters, the first three weeks, first week. And I said, no, 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 okay, whatever, whatever you want to do, you do it. And he come back to me and said, Hash, he said, I can only do about a half. But what we're trying to do is get out of that Sunday school mentality. Mm. You're not there standing and lecturing to anybody. You just, you, I started out with a simple question. And then we just go around the room and let the Holy Spirit lead it wherever it wants to go. Oh, and then a lot of times at the end of the day, I say, well, how give us a little homework, you know, look up this or whatever it may be. And I'm telling you by, by that little simple drill in Genesis, finding Jesus and the first six chapters, 
he's in there over and over and over and over again and just pointing at it and their eyes just start opening up and they just start, you know, getting great at it. And, uh, and then they'll come to me and say, Hey, I found him in chapter seven. I said, that's good. That's, that's good. We're not on chapter seven yet, but that's great. So, so I, I, it goes back to that desire, that hunger for God's word um, and teaching them how to read it, teaching them how to read it and not get so deep that they get lost. Just find Jesus. From Genesis oh, to Revelation, it's about one person. That person's name is Jesus. That is so good. Thank you. Hey, guys, if you're just joining us today, we've got Ashley Tyre with us today from Chaplain from the Beasley Group uh, down in Hazelhurst. We're talking about disciple making uh, in the workplace. And um, don't forget, uh, leave a comment. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, Kenneth, turn it over to you. And that's that's a good word, Ashley. Just find Jesus. That's a, a good encouragement for all of us, of us as we study scripture. I want us to think specifically about uh, the small church pastor, the single staff pastor uh, that's joining us today, maybe uh, maybe a bivocational pastor, which is a significant uh, number of pastors in, in Georgia. Um, what encouragement would you give them as they're thinking about disciple making outside the walls of their church? Be to have determination. Determination. Listen, not all of these are going to succeed. Um, one of the classes, one of the discipleship classes that we started, I, I, I got, I got a little ahead of myself. Um, I had a young man that was at the warehouse and he says, Hey, you better ask me, I'm starting to teach a Sunday school class. I said, man, that's great. Won't you teach a discipleship class for me? And I threw him in the fire and I helped him one time in that class. Now we've merged it with another one, but, but don't give up. Don't give up. Um, you're going to have, um, you're going to have people say that's, it's not going to work. Um, you, you're going to tell yourself, I'm, I'm not succeeding. Uh, I'm only feeding one or two, um, but that's okay. Uh, be prepared to face opposition. You, you, and, and, and opposition sometimes may be yourself. Um, it may be part of your opposition, but, but be, de be determined to see the fruit um, as it comes forward. And, and it's a struggle. I, I understand. I mean, I'm blessed now because I'm full-time ministry. I'm not by vocation anymore. Um, so I can work and go do what I do and then go home and don't worry about it. Um, but, you know, the bivocational pastors, you're in the same field that I'm in. Um, every person that leads a discipleship group right now, they're full-time employees, but they're not a full-time employee to do a discipleship group. Um, our discipleship group, I, I, I shoot for about 30 or 45 minutes. Um, and, and we just build relationships with each other. Um, and then you start talking about God's word. So don't get hung up on the numbers. You know, you, you look at the, this church down the street, that has got a mega staff and listen, if they got two people, that's a mega staff or a bivocational pastor. <laughs> um, you don't have that, but this is what you do have. You have a church that, that you've been called to serve and be obedient, not only be obedient to that church, but be obedient to God's calling. You, you got to be obedient to that calling. And, and that calling goes back to a devotion. You got to have a devotion to God uh, and to what he's, what he asked us, asked us to do. I'm going to go back to John 21, John 21 and, and raised. And I've talked about this, this chapter a lot. Mm. You know, when Jesus asked Peter said, do you love me? And, and somebody said, yeah. And, and we'll say, yeah. He said, go feed my sheep. That's not what he said. He said, feed my lambs. Well, who are his lambs? His lambs are his babies. So as a pastor, you are supposed to go out and don't forget about the babies you got in there. 
you baby Christians. You got, you got to get it so they can understand it. Don't ask the Sunday school questions. Just ask generic questions that they got to get around. So he said, feed my lambs. And then he said, shepherd my sheep. If you love me, shepherd my sheep. That's, the, that's look after the flock, look after, after all of them. And then the last one, he said, feed my sheep. And that feed my sheep was a type of love that, that was a relationship type love. And you got to find those people and have the relationships with them. Um, know your people know your people, love your people, be a part of your people, whoever they are. Some of the, the greatest pastors I see out there are bivocational pastors. They're my heroes. Yeah. Um, but the ones that I see that are really, really, really making a difference are those guys that are just real. I am yeah. who I am. I am a bivocational pastor. This is what I do. Um, and so when you stand up in the pulpit, you're still the same person. You, you don't, you're not a mega pastor. You're a bivocational pastor. And that's why they hired you. They, they, and they love you. And they want to see that, that realness inside of you. Um, I've said this a lot. And, you know, so I've had people say, well, why, why did it work out at Lumber City so well for you? Well, if you, you got to know Lumber City. So this is, it's a sweet town. Um, but this is what I'll tell them. And Ray will get a kick out of this and say, I can take a Catawba worm and turn him inside out. And I'll have pastors look at me and go, what are you saying? I said, that's the problem. That's right. So you better know how to turn the Catawba worm inside out and go fishing in Lumber City. If you don't know how to do that, you're not going to meet with the people because they understand that. So you got to meet with your people and get down. I don't want to say down on their level, but just be real and know your people and have that relationship with them. That's what you gotta Jesus You got to be able to communicate with them. You got to know gotta, what's going on in their life. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me add just a couple of things and we need to wrap it up today. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag on you a little bit, Ashley, because uh, Kenneth asked you a question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse it around here. So Kenneth said, you know, what can you share with some of the bivocational guys of ways that they can be disciple makers outside of the church? Because a lot of guys are like, you know, I got a guy that I'm I, I'm preaching for Sunday. He said, brother, right, we may have eight people there, and I'm like, well, great. I mean, the Bible says we're two or three are gathered. Yeah. The Lord's there, so we're gonna have a good time. But a lot of guys may feel like, wow, oh, I just don't have a lot of people. But you know, you don't have to have a mega church, but how can other guys, you know, get involved in their community? And one of the things that you said that I just want to hammer on for a second is you said, you see your role is training the, the disciple makers, you train the leaders. Yes. And so I think one of the things for our pastors, we've got to start thinking, I have an opportunity to train a guy here or a lady here to lead a group. That group may not necessarily meet in the church. Right. That group may meet in their workplace. Yeah. And so beginning to put that idea out there, look, we're, we're not just trying to build the local congregation. We're trying to get disciple making taking place in your workforce. And you may have people there that you can do this with. So, so thinking about that, um, search out and pray for opportunities, pastors, um, to take ministry outside the walls of the church. You're also with the sheriff's department. Uh, sheriff's office there uh, in, in Jeff Davis. And, um, you know, so we may have a small church, but man, there's just opportunities. If somebody came and said, even in schools, I know my wife's a school teacher, how can we help you? Um, how can we be involved? You know, we talk about the things we can't do, but man, they're just, what can we do to build those relationships? And so just seek them out. And I know a lot of guys, I know two or three guys right now that are chaplains for their local um, first responders. And that's just another way to build that congregation. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. So well, let, let's, let's put a bow on it. Um, I'm going to ask you a question and I, I, I don't know how you're going to answer this, but I'm curious. 
So if let, let's just say that tomorrow you were called back to, to pastoring, you went back to Lumber City or you're, you go to another church, um, would you do anything different as a pastor now than you did then because of what you've learned through this chaplaincy opportunity? If so, what and, and why? Honestly, I don't, I don't know that I would do anything any different um, because that was the same way we tried to operate the church. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I realized that, that being a bivocational pastor, and I couldn't do all of it. And we had three older deacons. And I said, you know what, guys, we're going to have to get some more. We're going to have to get some help. So, so, we, so we ordained some more. We wound up with seven ordained deacons, and we took one of those and ordained him as a minister a little bit later on. Uh, but I realized I can't do it all. So, so you start having to delegate those things out. And so many pastors get burnt out, I think, because they don't, they're not delegating out. Uh, so I don't know that I would do anything any different. Um, it still boils down to God's word. Yeah. Preach God's word. Don't, don't, I love your opinion, but I don't need your opinion. You know, <laughs> you may think whatever, but I want to see you back it up with scripture. Let, let just so stay focused on God's word um, would be what I would, would say do and, uh, and love your people. And I don't know that I would do anything any different than, than what we're doing right now. I mean, I think this is the church as far as we're the people. We're meeting the people. I'm not doing anything any different now than what I did when I was pastor. The only difference now is I'm going to where they work. And as a pastor, they came to me. That would be the only, that was the only thing that was. That, that was. Yeah, there we go. That That's where I was getting. I mean, yeah, you, gotta, you, gotta go, you, you need to, you need to love your people and you need to go to, if you want to see them different, build that relationship and let them know that you care yeah. and, and you start going and seeing them and praying with them. Uh, listen, they're not going to run you off. Don't, don't let somebody say, well, the company that I work for, they won't let us pray. I bet they will. Have you ever asked? Um, yeah, they'll let, they'll, and if they won't let you in that place, they'll let you in another place. I think a lot of times business owners may get a little scared because, oh, here comes a preacher. Now he's going to turn my business into a church. Well, you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that. Well, you can't proselytize. You can't you do it trying to get them to your church. You can't do that. You just show them that you love them and, and kind of pray with you. Man, I had, a, I had a truck driver one day, and I, I know I get long winded, but I had a truck driver one day as a six o'clock in the morning. It was pitch dark outside. I was at the scale house and volunteer chaplain and i knew this guy i said man how, how are you doing he said well my back's hurting he was having some major back problems and actually wound up um being uh, uh quit driving well, not able to drive a truck anymore and he said will you do me a favor i said yeah man what you want me to do he said will you pray for me and being a good baptist i said oh yeah i'll pray for you no he meant right now <laughs> he just put his arm around me he grabbed me he said i want you to pray and i want you to pray right now and uh, i said wow and then I got to thinking, I said, well, why can't we do that at work? You know, somebody said, pray for them. I said, well, let's pray. <laughs> let's pray right now. It's not going to stop anything. Let's pray right now. So um, don't be scared. Jump jump in there and do it. Jump in there and do it. Be devoted. Be I devoted. Love it, Ashley. I love it, man. Hey, thank you so much. And I, I, you know, and I guess the reason I asked that question is, and you and I have had these conversations, it's just, it's, it's the same thing. It's love your people. Get to know them, spend yeah. time with them. Discipleship takes place in relationships. It's not another program. I don't have to add this and do this and have, but I need to lead leaders. I need to invest in a few that can lead somebody else. And I need to begin to teach them how to do this so they can take it out 
and do it in their workplace. And so, yeah, and, and I need to learn what a Catawba worm is. So I want some people today, I want some people to post. I know what a Catawba worm is, but I want to see some guys post. What do you think a Catawba worm is? And if you don't, you definitely live above uh, the nat line. Um, yeah. So anyway, hey, Ashley, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for what you're doing for the kingdom, what you're doing for Georgia Baptist. Um, what you do, you know, with Keith Boggs and, and what's at stake, Dander's Real Momentum Ministry, very involved there, and how you minister to us and pastors in the outdoors. Kenneth Acock, uh, my friend up in the Northeast region, thank you so much. Uh, so glad to be here, Ray. I'll, I'll be looking for the next video about how to how to use that worm. How to use that Catawba worm. We're going to teach yeah. Kenneth on Catawba worm. So, <laughs> and producing for us today, PJ Dunn down there. He's off camera, but he is with us today. And, uh, I bet you PJ doesn't know what a Catawba worm is, but uh, we'll, we'll settle that up later. Um, but uh, thank you, PJ, for producing today. God bless you all. Thank you for your gifts to the cooperative program. It's what gives us the opportunity to do what we're doing. So thank you so much for giving. Make sure you let us know who's watching. Leave a comment and go make a difference. Make disciples who make disciples. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.